The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Siblings in Christ, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Creator, our Sustainer, and our Redeemer. Amen. Tell me your story. How you got to this place and time. Tell me your call story. That's a question that I ask of most people when I meet them in the course of my day-to-day -day work. I love call stories. So I guess it's appropriate that in my work as director of admissions at a Lutheran seminary, I have the profound privilege of hearing and stewarding hundreds of people's call stories every year. And a lot of times the stories go something like this. Well, people always just tell me that I should be a pastor. Or, I never thought about serving until we went on a mission trip and my life was changed. Or, something just happens when I take communion. Or when I sit with someone in the hospital. Each and every story is unique. And these stories lead people to think that maybe, just maybe, God is calling them to serve the church and serve this world through what we often call, at least in my line of work, public ministry. And that's usually when they wind up in my office. And it just so happens that I also love biblical call stories. Because I believe they are some of the realest, or for you English majors, most real, stories in scripture. Where else do you find people experiencing self-doubt, conflict avoidance, literal exist existential threats, and sometimes running in the opposite direction? That could very well be the appropriate response to what God is calling us to be and do and say here and now as God's people. Especially in a time when the message of the church, the message of the gospel seems to run counter to most of what the rest of this world is telling us. I guess not much has changed these past few millennia. 
But what I also love about call stories is the visceral nature of the way that God calls God's people in Scripture. In the translation of the Bible that we heard today and we use most often, most prophet call stories begin the same way, with the prophet retelling their story by beginning, The word of the Lord came to me, saying... But in the Hebrew, the language in which most prophet call stories were written, the language goes even deeper. The verb that is translated as came to in our version is rooted in the Hebrew word meaning to occur or to happen. And so the word of the Lord happened to Jeremiah. God didn't just whisper, come and whisper into Jeremiah's ears, but God's word happened. God's word changed Jeremiah. God's call was life-altering. God's call was active. God's call was real. And so the word of the Lord happened to Jeremiah, calling him in spite of his protestations about his age. God's word happened to Jeremiah, compelling him to be the voice of God to the powers, to the many kingdoms and nations of his time. And even as he learns what he will be called to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant, which at me, seems to me at least then would be the time to run in the opposite direction, God's word continues to happen to Jeremiah. And in a real sign, in the face of his pretty reasonable doubts and questions, God reaches out and touches the budding prophet's lips. God touches Jeremiah and places God's words right where he needs them, there in his mouth, so that there will be no doubt that God's word, that God will be with him forever through all that he might, through all that he will come to experience in his ministry. I also think that it's pretty appropriate that one of the commonalities between call stories is the prophet's objection. There is plenty to get in the way, plenty to consider why God should go and find someone else, not me. We are too young. We are too old. We might have the wrong gender or racial identity. Our physical ability might hinder us. Our political affiliation might turn others off from us. Our citizenship status might just disqualify us. The list could go on and on. And of course, these are labels that we also place on others, refusing to listen to someone who doesn't fit our ideal of who can be called a teacher or a prophet, a social worker, a politician, a minister. These are the labels, these are the walls, both literal and figurative, that we construct between us and them. The ins and the outs, our own constructions that get in our way. Our sinful reality that we fail and that we refuse to see the fullness of God's image in our fellow humans and our fellow creatures sent to minister with us. It seems that everywhere, our own selfishness and brokenness seeps into seemingly every crevice in our lives. 
but through these unsubstantiated fears, our misguided perceptions, our own self-limitation that burden us, all of these bend us down. As Martin Luther say, we are curved in upon ourselves. There, bent down, we find ourselves there with the woman in the Gospels, consumed by an evil spirit for 18 long years. Bent over, able only to see a very limited view of her world, of our world. And yet, God's word happens to that woman. Jesus sees her from afar, bent over with the spirit, and pronounces her whole. Just the same God's word, siblings in Christ, happens to us. Happened to us there in the waters of that font when we were named, when we were claimed in baptism, and we were changed for good. Writing about baptism in the Christian century this week, Pastor Frank Honeycutt notes that in Romans chapter 6, he writes about, Paul writes about the very nature of baptism. And in that writing about baptism, Paul refers to death 14 times in 11 verses. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk with him in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be reunited with him in a resurrection like his. Pastor Honeycutt observes that we often downplay the reality that there in baptism is also our death. There, there in those waters of baptism, God's word happens to us and we are put to death. Our old selves die, ourselves that are self-possessed, ourselves that have built up walls and broken down those who are other from us, ourselves that thrive on self-doubt and fear. There, there in those waters, we first die to these old ways, to our old selves. And rise, rise out of those waters a changed people, a new people, sharing the same baptism, the same resurrection of Jesus, our Savior, the one who heals us. We rise from those waters fully in the image of the one whom Jeremiah professes the one who knows us, knew us, even before we were knit together in the womb. There, there in those waters, God's word happens to us, and we are changed, remade with Christ. Just last night, God's word happened again upon Nolan Heim Floris as he was baptized at H.T. Luke. Nolan died and rose to this new life and to his call to be God's own beloved child. With all of us, Nolan begins his journey of being opened up to a broken world, a world still obsessed with and yet still afraid of death. Called to bear God's creative and redeeming word to this life, life life-changing word to this world. This 
This is Nolan's tall story. This is our tall story. That we have been freed from what burdens us. We have been turned outward from ourselves and our own failings and phobias and doubts to proclaim this healing, this transformation that we have experienced to the world. And in the face of what are doubts or fears or disqualifications we or the world might throw out, God's promise stands strong. God reaches out to us wherever, whenever we stand in those dark times and touches us and promises to be with us, to give us the words to speak, to never leave us. And so time and time and time again as we pass by those waters, remembering whose we are, we are welcomed again at this table again and again and again, one with another, in spite of where we come from, in spite of the labels we place on ourselves or the labels others place on us. We gather at this table to receive the very one whose death and resurrection we share, Christ's own body and blood in simple wine and bread, food for the journey, strength when we lose heart, so that we might be present with those who have been trampled down upon, so that we might be the voice for those who are still silenced, so that we might, be, we might journey with those who have been in prison, so that God's life-saving, earth-shattering world might continue to happen in and through our own lives. Yes, in those life-giving waters, God's word happens to us. We are called. Called for the sake of the world. Called to be hope and light and life. Called to be real, tangible signs of God's love happening in this world making us all whole, transforming all of creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mother of us all.